You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, episode 92, and my friends, this episode has been a long time coming. I recorded this interview months and months ago, which you're going to realize when you hear me talking about skiing in the episode. The guests were so patient to push back the airing of the episode when I decided to take my pause in April to focus on my health, and I had to totally juggle the editorial schedule for the show. So yes, now I'm going to be talking about skiing when it's almost August, but hopefully this episode will be worth the wait. This episode is called Overcoming Your Inner Team. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. This past month, all of our episodes have been focused on topics having to do with raising teenagers, how to manage our expectations with their devices, how to get them to talk to us, and how to find support from other moms who are also in that sometimes lonely phase of child rearing. But today's topic is slightly different. It's still about teenagers, but with a twist. We're going to be talking about overcoming our own inner teen, because like it or not, she's still in there. (laughs) And... To help us break this topic down a little, I have two incredible women, Tawny Beardall and Erica Peterson, who are the co-hosts of a podcast for teens called Becoming, and they've also become in real life friends of mine as they graciously hosted my very first solo workshop in Boise, Idaho, and I'm so grateful for their faith in me and in 3 and 30, and I'm really excited to have them on the show today. So Tawny and Erica, welcome to 3 and 30. Hi, thank Thank you. you. (laughs) We had such a great time hosting your workshop. It was really life-changing for both of us. So thank you for letting us even experience it. Yeah, well, that was so, so kind of you to reach out, Tawny, and actually have it. Tawny held it in her home, and Erica helped with all of the food and organizing everything, and it was such a great day, and I'm really, really thankful to the two of you for doing that. And I love the work that you're doing on your own podcast. And so I wanted to first ask you to tell us a little bit about your podcast, who your kind of target audience is for that, and how it led to your idea for this episode on my show. Well, sure. Our message is directed to teens for teens to listen to. And this just kind of came about because I love teens so much. I teach them through measures in my church and also through gymnastics. I'm a gymnastics coach. And I really wanted them to have great resources. And I've found so much help through podcasting myself, listening. I love growing, listening to different podcasts. And I wanted to find a resource for these teens. And we searched and searched and just couldn't find anything that really fit that bill. So that's kind of why we're here. I just know this time of life is crazy pivotal for teenagers. This is when you're really deciding who you want to become, and what you want to accept as your core values. And I'm sure you understand that, Rachel, like coming from being a high school teacher. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And I love that you said that so many podcasts I feel like are about raising teenagers, but yours is a is actually directed for them to listen to. It's not about raising them. It's for them, uh, which I think is so important and so unique. And then, uh, but I loved what you, when you approached me about this topic, 
you said that a lot of your listeners, you have teenagers listening, but then you also have their moms listening. And why is it that their moms are interested as well? Well, it's really funny that we have so many moms. We do have a lot of moms of teens because they're listening either maybe because they want their teens to listen with them, or they're maybe wanting to get a little bit of an insight into the type of things that they're struggling with. Um, But we also just have moms in general, moms who don't have teens. And I think that what we're finding is that it really, the topics that we're talking about really resonate with moms where teens, you know, they are really going through a time when they're really trying to just show that they're enough and prove themselves to everyone around them. You know, they're their friends, their parents, their teachers and themselves, but they're at the same time trying to figure out who they actually are. And I really think this happens again when we're moms, you know, we are trying to figure out the kind of moms that we are and Mm -hmm. try to be enough for our kids and for our spouses and for our family and for our friends around us so that we don't look like we're drowning. And it's just been really cool to see some of these moms kind of reach out to us saying, Things like, oh, can I be a teen? Because I really needed this one. And it just has <laughs> amazed us how we really are still working on the same principles. And we maybe have figured out a little bit better ways to deal with those principles, but we are really still trying to become and get a little bit better. Yes. And and this idea of like having an inner teen is so true that so many of these topics that you guys talk about for teenagers are still within us as grown women that we're still working on and trying to overcome. I know I've listened when I listen to your show, it always resonates with me just as much as it probably would have resonated with teen Rachel. So I'm really excited for you guys to teach us three takeaways for overcoming our inner teen. And why don't you go ahead and start with your first takeaway? Yeah. So our first takeaway is to have a threshold of zero. So this is a possibly a new idea for most of you, but uh, thresholds, the idea of thresholds comes from a sociologist and a professor at Stanford University. His name is Mark Granovetter. And he's done some really cool studies on mob behavior and just trying to figure out why it is that perfectly law-abiding people change and do something that it's not something that they know to be right. They're doing something a lot of times that are wrong and obviously wrong, and they normally would never do these things. So he has looked into this and kind of seen why it is that this happens. And it's really not about people doing what they think is right or wrong. It's really about the threshold that they have. So for example, somebody with a low threshold, it doesn't take very many people doing something to have them choose something that they don't think is right. So maybe like a teenager driving drunk with two of his friends, a hundred miles an hour. That's not because they think that that's something that's right. That's something that they just have a low threshold for making that decision. Mm -hmm. And then for somebody who has a high threshold, we're talking like your mom or your grandma, you know, somebody who normally would do the right thing all the time, but in a mob situation, even grandmas sometimes do things that you would never expect. So it's looking at low thresholds and high thresholds, but then having a threshold of zero is somebody who does what is right, no matter how many people are doing it. So it doesn't matter. They're going to do what their gut tells them and what they know to be right. Mm -hmm. And we've been teaching this principle because we really want to try to use different language with our teens. They hear a lot of teen lingo over and over like, 
peer pressure, which a lot of you may be hearing the idea of thresholds and thinking, oh yeah, that's peer pressure. But it's really more about perceived pressure. It's about thinking, okay, everyone's doing this thing and I'm going to join in. And as teens, you know, if we learn that we can really avoid some really negative decisions, but there's also just being true to ourselves. And Tani has a super cute story that is so perfect for this and really shows how we kind of can change what we're doing because of what everybody else is doing. Great. Well, yeah, I was, uh, I just struggled with this concept growing up. I never really understood who I was and I was always looking for acceptance wherever I could find it. And I really have this vivid memory of doing this the first time was when I was in third grade. I had these friends in my class that were new and I really wanted to impress them and really connect with them. And I loved lasagna. And when I found out that was a lunch choice at school that day, I was like super pumped about it. But then I heard these friends that I was trying to impress telling everyone how disgusting they thought lasagna was and why would anyone eat it? And so I was like, dang it. (laughs) Well, I better jump on that bandwagon real quick if I want them to like me. So I started saying like, oh yeah, lasagna is the worst. (laughs) And I just sat there that day eating the alternative while looking at everyone else eating their yummy lasagna. And sadly, I had to hold up that facade all year. I felt like I could never be who I wanted because I had already voiced that and I wanted them to to love me and accept me. Hmm. And I know this is a silly food example, but to me, it showed me that I was willing to give up parts of who I was just to fit in and feel accepted. And sadly, those traits kept happening. It starts with small, but if we don't really understand who we are and believe in that person, then we'll just slowly give up who that person is. Mm, Yes. And I think that a lot of moms listening are probably relating to how they were when they were younger, but they may think, well, I don't do that anymore. Like that's just kids and teenagers who... Mm Um, have this low threshold who are are willing to go with the crowd. But you ladies point out that we may not always realize when we're doing this, right? So give us an example of when moms may not even realize that they have a lower threshold than they they thought. Yeah. So this is actually something that we learned a lot about at your workshop, which for anyone who has the opportunity to go to one of your workshops, it's something that really took some outside help to kind of extract some of these ideas and figure out why we are the kinds of moms that we are or why we think that we need to be a certain way. Mm. And so I would just say, if anyone's thinking about going to one of those workshops, definitely take the opportunity because it is a process and it's, it does take some work, but through doing that, I've, I feel like we've really come with some ways that come away with some ways that we can be more true to ourselves and, it's been really interesting if we, as we have incorporated those into our lives, seeing us have more happiness and more joy in being mothers. So I think the biggest thing for me was letting go of the comparison of what kind of mom I thought that I should or needed to be. And that I have four kids and they're starting to get into that age where they're doing tons of activities and A core value for me as a mother is spending time together. I want to create a family bond where they love each other and they want, we all want to be together. And I realized there was this big disconnect from what I wanted to what was happening. And I think it happened because I was comparing. So for example, 
I, all of my friends are very busy, active mothers, and they have their kids in tons of activities. And I want, I thought, oh, I got to have my kids in that too. And I want them to not feel left out or get behind in their development. So I'm going to have them do, you know, this music thing and this sport and that voice lesson. And I just was feeling so stretched thin. And I thought I was doing the right thing because that's what everyone else is doing. And like I said, I want my kids to develop and grow. But at what expense? I realized that my values were gone because we were barely getting to see each other. You know, they get home from sporting events and eat and go to bed. So I just sort of evaluated this and thought, okay, what makes sense to my values as a mother rather than comparing or feeling guilty of not letting them do these things? So we decided as a family that we're going to just pick one sport and one music, and that's what they get to do. And they can change it whenever they want. If they decide they're more passionate about something else and they want to try something else. But this has just helped create a better feeling in our home. And it's more of what I'm going for as a mother. And it's okay if they're not doing what the neighbor kid's doing or what my friend's kids are doing. Just letting go of that comparison and that guilt has really been pivotal for me. Yeah. I love that. And that like, that really speaks to me because just, just the other day I was driving Sally up to this little ski team. It's not even a ski team. It's just these little ski lessons for kids, local kids that are four and five can go up to the mountain and do these little ski lessons during the day. And as I was driving her up there and getting, hauling all of her stuff, I have to take her out of preschool early to get her there. And it cuts into my work day. I was thinking, why am I doing this? Like she's four. She doesn't need to be a competitive level skier. And I was Mm -hmm. questioning why, why am I doing this? And I realized, well, it's because quote, everybody here does this. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't thought of it in that terms. It's not like when I signed up, I was like, I have to do this because everybody's doing this. It was a, it was an imperceptible little thing that I heard about it. And I was like, oh, that sounds like a cool opportunity. And I want my kids to have that opportunity. And we're new to this ski town and like, I want them to be good skiers. And, but the thing is, is that her brother Noah never did ski club when he was four and he's a good skier. It took a moment for me to be really intentional about I don't have to do what everybody else in my town is doing, even if it's a really good thing. I'm not saying it's not a good thing, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to be how our family does it or how I do it as a mother because the people around me are doing it. And one thing that I really liked about what you guys pointed out about thresholds versus peer pressure is that often it is not something that other moms aren't saying to me, you, you have to do this to be a good mom. Like nobody's saying that it's these, it's this kind of this crowd mentality that all of a sudden you find yourself doing things that don't totally match with who you are. And you have to take a step back and say, do I really want to do that? Do we even like doing that thing? Which like you said, is something that we spend a lot of time doing at my workshop is breaking down who are you as a mother? And you can be that kind of mother. You don't have to be like anybody else. Exactly. And it really is just something you have to pay attention to. It's something you just have to take a moment every once in a while and go, what am I doing? <laughs> what do I think I need to be doing? And that, which has been, it's something that doesn't take two minutes to do. It's something you have to be intentionally really working on and thinking about. And you don't even realize you get to these places sometimes. So you really just have to Listen to your gut, kind of figure out what kind of things you want to do and just you do you. Mm, yes, absolutely. Yeah. 
I love that as a takeaway that we so often think just applies to our teenagers, but really it applies to us as well. And so what is your second takeaway? Our second takeaway is to do work. So work can come in a different, a few different aspects. We can be talking about manual labor or just really expanding our, our skill sets. So I know our inner teen really resists hard work. Mm -hmm. I can think of so many projects right now that are unfinished at my house. It's just human nature to want to conserve energy and take that path of least resistance. And I realized that there's kind of two ways that parents seem to handle this topic. And the first one is as much as we resist that hard work for ourselves, we are also resisting it for our kids. We don't want to see our kids struggle. We love them. It's so hard to see them go through hard things. And we want to give them more than we, you know, got when we were younger. Mm -hmm. So it's just natural. But we're doing some things that are really causing us to enable them. And I think that can look like, you know, staying up till two in the morning because they forgot to do this project at school. And we are working hard with them. We are, you know, we're in there. They're working too, but we're working hard with them. And we think that this is helping them and saving them. But when we are doing that and causing them not to fill out their project, it's actually really enabling them and not helping them learn how to handle things on their own and to be more productive, you know, in the future and making sure they're scheduling these things in. They need to learn that the hard way. Mm, yes. There's, right? I mean, there's also simple ways that we're doing it too, just by simply cleaning their room for them because we're so sick of looking at it and it's not, it's more work for us to teach them how to do it, right? Mm. Like how many times have oh, we yeah. done that? <laughs> totally. <laughs> but we need to realize when we do those things, whether they're big or small, these things that we're doing to kind of save them and come in and just scoop them up and fix it, they are missing out on big opportunities for growth and for development, and for me, when I realize I'm doing this and I just want to save them and I want to rescue them, I try to visualize like a baby bird. Picture this baby bird and it's trying to break out of its shell and it's pecking and pecking and struggling and you're just watching it and it's taking forever. And you know, all you have to do is stick your thumb in that shell and pop it open for them. Mm. But what you don't realize is they need the struggle. It is vital for this baby bird, the repetitive movements of its neck pecking the shell and that struggle in its wings is everything for this bird. If that bird didn't have that struggle to gain its strength, it would not survive the outside world. Mm. We need to keep this in mind with our own kids when we want to go in there and, and just rescue them and save them. It's so important that we see that they need the struggle to grow into the human that they need to, to develop so they can survive outside of our home one day. So how does this apply to us as mothers? I mean, I think we may know this about our kids and we may want them to do hard work, but how do we apply this to ourselves? Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of parents that really understand this concept and they know how important it is to push their kids and to do new things and to be brave and just try something that scares them. But why I want to apply this to mothers is I want you to ask yourself, when is the last time that you did something new, that you expanded your skill set and tried something new that really, really scared you? Hmm. That's what I want you to do is think about what you can do to push yourself outside that box and feel that uncomfort that and feel that discomfort that we're asking our kids to feel. So I just kind of found myself 
you know, I think as adults, we had this timeline that we wanted to accomplish. You know, maybe I was in high school and I thought, okay, I want to graduate and then go to college and then, you know, uh, find a husband and get married and then have kids. And I realized I've done all that and my timeline is up. And I found myself just feeling so stagnant. Like I realized I hadn't done anything to push myself and to learn new skills. And this was really hard for me because this is when you find that dissatisfaction in mothering and you just feel like you haven't done anything or changed or grown Mm. as a person. You know, you help your kids and we love them. And that's like really my most valuable calling in my life. I love it. But I want to keep progressing personally, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And this this reminds me of one of my very, very favorite books. It's it's in my top three favorite books ever. And it's called A Million Miles in a Thousand Years by Donald Miller. And I'll put that in the show notes because it's kind of a crazy title. But um, <laughs> basically, he it's a memoir. And it's the story of how he realized one day that he'd made his living writing really great stories. He was a New York Times bestselling author who'd written all these great stories, but he wasn't living a really good story. That the Hmm. life he was living was pretty boring, that he wasn't pushing himself anymore, that, you know, he was just sleeping in every day, getting up, writing a little. And he just thought if if my story were a book or a movie, nobody would want to watch it if they, you know, my life. And so he started applying the principles of story to his own life and like introducing challenges and inciting incidents that would force him to do hard things. So the book goes through these different hard things that he decided to take on and how he grew. And it's so inspiring. And it made me really think about who do, what kind of a story do I want to live? And another really cool thing about that book is it is not a parenting book. But there are so many examples in there of families who have given their kids a better story to live. And a lot of that did include hard work. And it was like I pulled so many parenting gems out of reading that memoir about just choosing to live a better story. So I highly recommend it to to everyone to read this book. Oh, I can't wait to check that out. Obviously, I'm super passionate about this subject. And I think that I love that idea. And I want us to just think of ways that we can do something new. Like he said, like invite it into your life, invite that discomfort. And what are things that just make you feel alive and scared, honestly? Mm. So I don't know what that looks like for you. I mean, there's so many different ideas that you just need to evaluate yourself and your values and what you believe in and what you want to do to really push yourself. Yeah. And I've realized that when we do that, there's three things that really happen. And the first thing is, obviously, we grow as a human. And by doing that, we're going to increase our value to our employer. And we're going to have more skills to offer our friends and our family. And the second thing that can happen, and it will, is you will develop this deep confidence in yourself and a strong sense of self-worth that I know we cannot learn or buy anywhere else. Like it has to be developed just through doing that and accomplishing something ourselves. And I think the third and most important thing is that we model this behavior for our children. It is so good for them to see us do something that scares us, that just pushes us outside our comfort zone. And when they see that we can do it, they'll feel more confident that they can do it. Yeah. So we all need to do work. <laughs> both do some work. Yeah. I love that. Both like manual things that may like get outside and do the work or inside your home, whatever, and bring your kids along with you as well as 
introducing these challenges and taking on a new hobby and different things like that in our lives so we're not stagnant. Yes, perfect. I love that. Okay, and then what's your third takeaway? So our third takeaway is to make and keep friends. And we have an episode about making and keeping friends. And it's one of our most popular episodes. And like I said, we have a ton of moms who are listeners. So it's been really cool to hear their feedback about why this topic is so important. And we're just, this is something that really resonates to our teen self. As we think back of our teen years, we think of the struggles that friendships were and the heartache of going through the ups and downs of friendships. So that part of it is really something that we feel deeply about. Um, but we're also realizing that this is something that moms really need. Moms need friends and they need good friends so that they can really feel more like themselves because mothering can really kind of be lonely. Yeah, we've got we've had a lot of teens that have reached out with just gut wrenching stories of what they've gone through. But I think as moms, we still experience hard situations as friends, you know, hard situations with friends. And I think it really happened. Friendship happens more naturally when you're being authentically yourself. You're going to make more friends that way. And it might not be the kind of friends you thought you would attract, but the right friends will naturally just fall into your life. And I think there's different ways that we can do that and attracting those friends that we want. Yeah, it definitely takes some work, though, to get friends and to make some good friends. So some of the ways that you can really make friends is to put yourself into situations where you're going to be able to meet people. So this takes some discomfort. You definitely have to be in places and introduce yourself. It's honestly, it's kind of like dating. It can be kind of awkward and you're going to see somebody who you're like, Oh, I want to, I want to get to know them, but you don't want to be too much too soon. (laughs) And then when you do get to know them, you don't want to call them too often. My sisters and I actually call that a friend crush. When you, yes. when you have like someone that you want to be friends with, but you don't want to overdo it. That's, we call that a friend crush. Oh, I fully yes. had a friend crush on Tani. And <laughs> luckily, she was able to be as stoked about being my friend as I, yes, was. I was. But, you know, it was the kind of thing where I was like, you know, watching myself so that I could be her friend because I really needed a friend and I wanted a friend. But it is something where you have to be a little bit careful so you don't look ridiculous, but it is something that there are so many other people out there that really need friends too. So you really just have to put yourself in those situations. Um, You can use your kids as an excuse. That's such an easy way to start a conversation with somebody. You can ask them about their kids, ask them what they're interested in, what they like doing as a family. Mm -hmm. That's a really easy way to start a conversation. But something that's really important is when you get introduced to somebody, be really careful to really learn their name. I know that I suffer from mom brain myself where names just kind of go in one ear and out the other sometimes. And I've just realized that as I do that, I'm just letting people know that I don't care about them, even though I do. And if we can make people's names important to us, they feel like we want to connect with them. So when you learn somebody's name, maybe ask them how to spell it um, and really repeat it in your mind a few times so that you don't forget that. But then um, as you make those connections, definitely follow up with those people. Try to make plans and don't just make empty promises of, oh, hey, we should get together sometime. Like actually get out your phone and say, hey, we really like going to the park. Would you guys want to meet up with us sometime? You know, it's not 
that awkward to do that. And I think people just feel weird about really making plans. But when you really need some friends, you have to make those moves or else you're really not going to have people to spend time with. Yeah. And one thing that I love about this takeaway is that sometimes I feel like I can start to believe that I don't need friends like that. I I have friends for sure. I have lots of friends that I love, but that I don't need them in my daily life because I'm really busy. And, but that's not true. And I realize that especially lately, like it's been a long, cold winter and I've been feeling down and I'm like, you know what, when was the last time I, I hung out with my friends? Like you, that doesn't go away when you become an adult, just like you needed that when you were a child and a teenager, you still need to make and keep, which was the second part of your takeaway here, friends and take the time to actually get together with them and involve them in your life. Well, that's exactly, I wanted to touch more on that keeping because that is so vitally important. I think having a history with friends is so valuable. Someone that already knows you and gets your, gets you and knows your story. So you don't have to explain everything again. So just making sure we're, we're making time to keep the friends we already have. And I know that time is a touchy subject as a mother. We don't have a lot of time. Our schedules are limited. And we can understand that and still keep these friends by doing simple things that just are natural to you. So does that look like maybe reaching out to a friend and saying, let's just go out for appetizers after our kids are already in, um, in bed? So it's not this big you know, disruption to your mm-hmm. schedule. And that can be done so simple. We just have to do it and reach out. Or maybe you can just go drop by a little treat and tell your friend you were thinking about her. Just having a quick face-to-face moment that you let them know you love them and you care about them. And it doesn't even have to be this big planned thing. Just taking the moment to have quality time together to reconnect and let let them know that you're thinking about them and you love them. But keeping that friendship kindled, I think, is really important. Yeah, for sure. For, For my happiness, I know it makes a big, big difference. And I'm sure it does for a lot of other women as well. Well, for sure. And I think that, you know, we feel more like ourselves when we have friends. And there are so many times when we're going to feel so overwhelmed that we're like, well, I don't have time for friends. I don't I don't have the ability to do this. Well, that's your choice. You have to make time. You are important enough to have friends and you have to make some effort to do it. But make that effort so that you can feel good enough to be able to go back and be your best self for your kids. Yes, I completely agree. Um, Well, thank you so much for this. These three takeaways that apply to teenagers, you're so right. They apply just as much to us as moms. So can you recap Mm -hmm. those for us before we close? Sure. So our first takeaway is to have a threshold of zero and do whatever you feel like your gut's telling you to do. Our second takeaway is do some work. Just do something that scares you that you can find passion in. And our third takeaway is to make and keep friends. So good. Thank you so much, ladies. And for those who want to check out your podcast, tell them where they can find you guys. So you can find our podcast on any podcast app. It's Becoming for Teens. And then we're also on Instagram at Becoming for Teens. Perfect. Or Becoming for Moms, too. Thank you for having us. We yeah, had a great thank time. you so much for coming on. So much to think about in that episode, my friends, and how we need to develop right alongside our children. I'm grateful to Tani and Erica, and I actually have a special surprise coming from them next week. So stay tuned for that. 
Also, they talked in that episode about my live workshop, and I wanted to remind you that I'm hosting one in Chandler, Arizona on Saturday, September 21st. And the tickets are selling really fast. So if you want to get more clarity and confidence on who you are as a mother, and if you want an action plan for how to live your dreams big and small with more joy, please come. I would absolutely love to meet you. Tickets and information can be found at 3in30podcast.com forward slash Arizona. I'm always rooting for you, and I hope that you have a fantastic week with your family.